0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Endurance Cartel Podcast. I am your performance and lifestyle coach, Javier Pineda. If you enjoy the content, make sure to tell your friends and head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and please leave us a review. Want to know when the next episode is coming out? If so, head over to my website at endurancecartel.com. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get down to business. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, Dr. Jason Youngman, a highly esteemed clinical and sports psychologist. Together, we're gonna get a crash course on the psychological factors that affect performance in sports, physical activity, and exercise. I firmly believe Dr. Youngman's expertise will resonate with you. My hope is that you take away practical knowledge on how sports psychology can be applied, not only to your training goals, but to all areas of your life. Dr. (laughs) Youngman. Pleasure to have you on the show today. I've known you for so long and I've never asked you what got you into psychology. Uh, Thanks for
1: having me, Javi. We've known each other for really over two decades now, put together around that same time. I think that we met I was in graduate school pursuing my doctorate in counseling psychology. At the same time, I had also started to do triathlons and I had challenged myself to do my first Ironman. One of the things that I recognized was I've always been an athlete, but I recognized that because my studying in psychology at the time was so prevalent and top of mind, I really understood and, and so once again, the connection between psychology and sport and more specifically, some of the things that we learn in psychology or as psychologists can be applied across domains. So whether it's in the context of sport or in the context of family life or the context of your peers socially or family. So I was really attracted to not only the, the general field of psychology and, and how it would allow me to help people get through life, really dealing with obstacles and struggles that they may have, but also recognizing that, wow, the the smaller domain of sport really connects with things that I have resonated with me throughout my life. So that's how I started. And my career has evolved as both of those kind of growing parallel with each other. For our listeners, an
0: Ironman triathlon consists of 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and 26.2-mile run all in one day and in less than 17 hours? Training for an Ironman requires a lot of commitment and sacrifice, folks. It's almost equivalent to having a full-time job, only you're not getting paid unless you are a professional.
1: And so things like even to prepare for an Ironman, I'll touch on maybe goal setting, right? Or when you think about other areas of your life, time management comes into play in so many areas. And when you are training for an event like an Ironman, time management is crucial. So it was really a good lesson in how to organize my time to balance both the training and the rigorous schedule of graduate school. And part of time management is goal setting and setting very clear goals for oneself. If I were to tell you, hi, Javi, tomorrow, meet me over in Northern California. I just left it at that. That's different than if I were to say, Javi, Meet me in Northern California tomorrow. Here's a road map to take. So, goal setting is really one of the pivotal skills or practices to learn and develop, not only in sport but in other areas of our lives. There's an acronym that we often use defining what a good goal would be, and the acronym is SMART. S M A R T. So, if you think of it's like smart goals, and each of those letters stand for something. That i'll go over now the s meaning your goals should be specific so they should be clear specific and when you're developing your goals you really want to try to answer five y or five w questions rather what do i want to accomplish why is this goal important who is involved where is it located and which resources or limits are going to be involved in this goal so that's the s Then we initially start with the next letter is M and that's measurable. So we want our goals to be measurable so that we can track progress. If we don't track progress or are unable to track progress, it's going to be very hard to maintain motivation over a long period of time. So we want our goals to be specific, measurable. The next letter A is we want these goals to be achievable. So while we want to stretch ourselves when creating or establishing a goal, We want the goals to be realistic and attainable. So if I were to say to you tomorrow, I don't know, walk to the refrigerator, that's pretty doable. If I were to say something like climb Mount Everest tomorrow, that might be so attainable. Now, if we made a plan and we we said, okay, you can climb Mount Everest in a couple of years, then we can backtrack and develop that roadmap to achieve that goal. So we have specific, measurable, achievable, and the R is relevant. We want to ensure that the goal matters to you. If someone places a goal on you, you're a lot less likely to stay with that goal and to stay focused on that goal. So it's important that the goal is relevant to you. And then finally, the T in that acronym of SMART stands for time bound or time limited. So every goal that we make or establish should have a target date or deadline that we can focus on. It's an endpoint that we can aim towards. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
0: Total sense. I grew up on a swim team in El Salvador. That was my parents' dream for me to become an Olympic swimmer. A far-fetched dream for me since I hated swimming. I never really placed on any meets. But the silver lining of it was it made me a good swimmer. At least a decent swimmer when I transitioned to triathlons.
1: Say, yeah, because in fact, at that point, your parents were doing you know, what they thought was the best and they created goals for you and mm-hmm. were creating opportunities for you to try things. And in many ways, that's what how we all learn the loves that we have. We try some things and we like them and others, we don't like them. I remember my parents put me in swimming lessons when I was younger and <laughs> this was in an indoor swim place. And I remember I hated it so much that I used to <laughs> tell the people that I was going to the bathroom and I would hide in this one singular bathroom for many times so to miss many of the laps. And lo and behold, 30 some odd years later... I found myself training for triathlons and wishing that I had stayed in the pool during that time. But yeah, so really goals provide direction and a roadmap for us to achieve things. So the more aligned we are with them, the more they resonate with us, the more likely we're going to stay with them. Another thing that I'd like to point out is for many people, we often think of goals only as outcome or result oriented goals like I'm going to win the Ironman or I'm going to beat so-and-so in a match. And those are outcome-related goals that many times we have very little control over, or at least there are a number of other factors that come into play that will determine the outcome of that event. So when working with people, we often talk about creating process goals or goals. If we take swimming, for example, instead of saying to myself, I want to win the swim meet, I may break it down and say my goal for this week is to work on my flip turns. And that's more of a process oriented. And you you might have heard of people say in life just to focus more on the journey or the process as opposed Mm. to just the outcome.
0: So basically what you're saying is to give your best and focus on the moment and not worry about the outcome. I love that. I tend to get caught many times on the outcome rather than just enjoy the moment. I ask my clients for new goals every three months. They all have to be aiming towards their bigger goal. That was noted when we first started. Sometimes I have to burst their bubble when their goals are completely out of whack. Uh, For instance, there was this guy who wanted to run a 5K in less than 16 minutes. I asked him when was the last time he actually ran because I'm sorry, but he did not look like a runner at all. He said high school. So that was almost 20 something years ago. So goals have to be very realistic at the same time and attainable
1: in this case. I was going to say, so that's where that acronym of SMART comes into play, where we're saying, is that really a realistic or achievable goal at that moment? And then at that point, what you can do is break up that goal into smaller chunks and help someone. So if I very often, I don't know if you've ever heard of this expression or this question, but how do you eat an elephant? That's the first time I ever hear it. Go ahead. Okay. One (laughs) one bite at a time, or you might've heard, how do you climb a mountain? One, one step at a time, right? So very often people go to in the goal setting process to that ultimate or end thing of climbing Mount Everest. When in fact, it's like, wait, We got to back this up. And that's how you create a training program. That's how you create a roadmap for, okay, I want to complete my first Ironman. Okay, there are steps to getting there. I have to maybe do a sprint triathlon and see if I even like the sport, see what the whole experience to be in a triathlon. And then from there adapt my goal. And that's the other thing is that goals should be flexible enough that they move with you and your progress.
0: I've had a lot of clients in which their main goal was to run a marathon or complete an Ironman. But once I start digging and asking questions of what their true motive is, it comes down to this individual wanting to lose weight. It's a lot easier
1: when you are even if you're looking at something like weight loss, it's a lot easier to look at time chunks or time periods of one week, two weeks three weeks versus where you want to be six months, a year from now. And you work backwards. So if your goal is to be somewhere 12 months from now, okay, where do you want to be six months from now? Okay. Where do you want to be three months from now? Where do you want to be one month from now? And where do you want to be next week? And then tomorrow. So goals can be induced or deduced by what, where you want to be ultimately and develop them that way. So I think that's, I guess, with the work that you do, part of your work is establishing realistic goals with your clients and helping them kind of temper things. Like, I it, it's a funny story when you're saying that that I thought of the way I got into triathlon was a buddy of mine who was living in California said, oh, I'm doing this race called Escape from Alcatraz. You should do it with me. I was like, OK. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for it. And about four weeks before it, I thought to myself, wait, I haven't gone swimming in 20 something years what am i doing in that race is you swim from the prison of alcatraz to the golden gate bridge and i said i called him up and i was like i can't do this i promise you i will do it next year and that became my introduction to triathlon i did a couple of sprints before that here in florida and then went and did the escape race out in uh, san francisco
0: how funny Watching the Escape to Alcatraz triathlon on NBC one Saturday afternoon was what got me interested in the sport to begin with. Did I ever mention to you I started competing in triathlons because of a bet I made with some Brazilian friends of mine? So there was this sprint triathlon that Sunday and my friends and I, we decided that it would be a good idea for us to go into that triathlon. They forgot to mention of course to me that they had done a couple more triathlons. I had to borrow a bike and borrow some uh, running shoes because I did not have any at the time. So the bet consisted of whoever would finish third out of the three would shave the legs. Long story short, I had the most horrific experience of my life. Then they were waiting for me at the finish line with Nair products for me to go shave my legs. There you have it. That's how I started in the sport.
1: I bet during that experience, there were some things that you were saying to yourself during the race, probably... What did I get myself into? What am I doing? Maybe there were some positive moments like, wow, I feel really strong or maybe some other moments where there was self-doubt that crept in. So which kind of brings me to something else that I want to talk about. I I know, for example, there is a half marathon, I think, this weekend here in Miami. And when you're doing endurance sports, whether it's running, biking, or swimming, or all of the above at once, you spend a lot of time in your head. So I want to talk a little bit about the idea of self-talk and the messages that we communicate to ourselves while we're in these activities. And I think the first thing to at least acknowledge and this is what I help my clients with a lot is first and foremost, becoming aware of the fact that we do, in fact, talk to ourselves. It's funny that some people hear that and they say, oh, I don't talk to myself or, oh, he talks to himself. He must be crazy, that kind of thing. But the <laughs> truth is we're constantly delivering messages to ourselves. So the first thing is to become aware of that fact and recognize, OK, wow, I am giving myself messages. So what is the quality of those messages? Am I lifting myself up or putting myself down? I'm running. Wow, I feel really strong. This is great. Or, wow, man, I suck. I'm never going to be any good. And very often I find when speaking with people that it's not until we make the actual deliberate effort to examine what the quality of those thoughts that they're having are that people don't recognize. Wow, I'm putting myself down at every opportunity. So that's really the first part is really becoming aware of the fact that we talk to ourselves, give messages to ourselves constantly throughout the day. So it's important to be aware of the quality of those messages.
0: Where were you in all my races? My God. But it's interesting to understand that because of me not being motivated in swimming at an earlier age and strictly because I was pleasing my parents, my self-talk was more negative than it was
1: positive. And a lot of times what people recognize is once they talk to me or whomever about The thoughts that they're having? Wait, is that my voice? Or did I internalize the voice of someone else, particularly a parent? In many cases, it's a parent. And so we're looking for approval or maybe it's a coach growing up or even peers, anything, but we've now adopted that voice as our own, but don't recognize it's someone else's. So what I often tell people is, okay, you just told me this message that you said to yourself. Is it kind or is it negative? Is it positive or is it negative? Oh, it's it's negative. Okay. Now imagine there is a seven-year-old child in front of you. Would you say the same thing to them? No. Okay. Then why would you be saying that to yourself? So it's like any skill. It's becoming aware first and then saying, okay, I want to come up with an alternative to that negative self-talk. Let me introduce some positive things, which what's interesting is that the mind really cannot entertain more than one thought at a particular moment. It's so important that we make that one thought what we actually want out of it. So if I were to say to you another, I think, point is the other thing the mind doesn't do very often is recognize the no or don't or negative component of something. So if I were to say to you, Javi, don't think of a pink elephant. So what happens is the mind doesn't pick up the don't part. It just picks up the pink elephant. Think of a pink elephant and you start thinking of that. So what I work with people on when developing alternative messages of self-talk is to construct positive phrases, emphasize and focus on what you want to achieve, not what you want to avoid. Does that make sense? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if Uh, you are in your training starting to have, oh, I'm so weak, or I wish I could do this. And you're starting to say all those things, or I don't want to bonk. You hear that a lot in triathlon. Right. Instead of saying don't want to bonk because you're introducing bonk into your whole system. Think about I want to remain strong. I want to remain hydrated. I want to remain healthy. These are all achieving that same thing of not bonking, but they're arriving at it from the positive avenue instead of the negative one. Does that make sense? total sense. Yeah. So if you're learning how to swim, for example, you want to be an environment where people are swimming. You don't want to be an environment where people are doing a different activity. So likewise, if you're trying to develop a new skill of giving yourself positive messages, it's going to be counterproductive to be an environment where you're not receiving support messages. And, you know, that adds to the I guess the I guess likelihood the likelihood that you would internalize those negative messages. So the idea of really determining what you want out of something and then, and then developing self-talk that focuses on what you want, mm-hmm. not what you don't want. They both are the same thing, but it's so for example, I don't know if you've ever been cycling and you see a big rock in the road. Of course. And all, all the time. I don't know if this has happened to you, but you see the rock, clearly you want to avoid the rock, but you focus on the rock. And then what happens? Your front wheel hits the rock. Has <laughs> that happened to you? All the time. Why is that? So, so what happens is your mind picks up on it, wants to avoid it. But then now that it's picked up on it, it directs your body towards it. So alternatively, if you see the rock in the road and let say the curb to the side of it, you want to focus on the space in between where you actually want to direct your bicycle, where you want to go. So... Likewise, with goals and our self talk, we want to position ourselves to where we want to go and focus on that. And a skill or a tool to help with that is what we call mantra. I don't know where you've heard of that before, but. Mantras are short either one word or phrases that someone can say to themselves as they're going through an activity and this might be very beneficial for people in a race for example this weekend where again if you're used to negative thoughts penetrating your thought cycle you introduce positive mantras to remember i said that the mind only can entertain one thought at a time so if i'm running and in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm strong, I'm powerful, enjoying what I'm doing. It doesn't leave room for the negative stuff to creep in, and your mind and body really starts to buy in and believe what you're saying. Yeah. And another thing where mantras can help is particularly in endurance sports, which tend to be very rhythmic and uninterrupted versus a sport that's like basketball, which is very sharp, abrupt movements and Things aren't as rhythmic. With endurance sports, where it's very rhythmic, monitors can play a very soothing, reassuring role within that rhythm. I remember when I was training on the bike, someone had once told me, my coach at the time had said, make sure your heel goes over the top of the pedal stroke. So I started saying to myself, H-O-T, H-O-T or something like that, or O-T-T, like over Mm -hmm. the top. And I started saying it to myself and it became aligned with the actual yeah. rhythm of my pedal stroke. And before I knew it, I was going probably five miles an hour faster than I was previously because I had lost myself in that rhythm and it prevented again, negative self-talk from creeping in. So I think this both goal setting and self-talk are really two areas that come up a lot in my work, not only as a sports psychologist, but also as a clinical psychologist working with non-athletes. These are things that really are prevalent everywhere. So I love this.
0: Thank you so much. And I don't know if you remember, they were these two professional triathletes champion triathletes that were always smiling during races and everybody was baffled why they were always smiling yet they were suffering yet every time they were interviewed they would say that the smiling keeps them in a very positive mood despite all the horrific suffering they were having
1: i think that's a funny story and and they're been plenty of stories where at least anecdotally where they've told people to if they're having self-doubt and negative feelings about themselves to smile in the mirror five ten minutes a day and see what that does to their mood so it can work on the athletic field as well as in real life
0: thank you so much jason for being my first guest for spreading a lot of wisdom psychology is a very vast field and we still have so many topics to cover so i'm hoping that you can come back in the near future
1: yeah thank you for having me and i hope that your listeners found this useful and helpful and i look forward to seeing you again soon i really hope that you enjoyed this episode stay tuned for the next episode where
0: we'll be speaking with dbc fitness owner david alexander train smart guys we'll talk soon